Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. One ball, two strikes, two outs. The pitch. Pop up. Shallow center. Coming in, Sawinski. He calls for it. He makes the catch. Raise the Jolly Roger. And the greatest comeback win in the history of the Pittsburgh Pirates. They do it here in Cincinnati. They raise the Jolly Roger, and it is indeed the greatest comeback in Pittsburgh Pirates history. A win over the Reds. Yeah, it was stunning. Yes, it was on Saturday, but I do want to talk about it. Austin Bechtel with you here on the Fan Early Morning Show. Because... That game was a sign of the times for me. It was a game that, you know, really did signal that things things could be different. And that at this point, things are different. Things are moving in a substantially different direction for this franchise, for this organization. And it's player-driven. It's player-centric. And it's the fact that down 9 nothing to a division rival, to a team that you had beaten the night before, that is looking to try to make their way into the playoffs. You crush their souls. You crush their dreams. You coming back down 9 nothing after three innings. You were up 13-9 at one point. To be able to come back, then hold on, after a win probability of, what, like 1%? It was impressive. It was a credit to just never backing down and never giving up for the Buckos. And when I look at the current state of the team, because, you know, if it wasn't for the Steelers being 2-1, and one, back-to-back victories, and just football season altogether... A lot of conversations right now would be surrounding the play of the Pirates. Eight under 500, 74 and 82. Last season, the Buckos won 62 games, 62 and 100. The Pirates will not lose 100 games this year. They will not lose 90 games this year. 74 and 82, that's an improvement so far, so far, six games left. 14 wins. 12 wins. 12 wins. Now, for me, I predicted that this would get to 14. And trying to make it full circle, go back and look at some of the things that 
I was most optimistic about. At the beginning of this season, the end of March, opening day, people were trying to compare this to the 2011 Buckos. I went back, found my tweet, March 30th of 23. I said, I'm optimistic about this season. This is 2012 all over again. 2011 has been thrown out as a comparison all the time. It, it, it was. But the pitching is better than last year. Ended up being about two pitchers. A couple guys in the bullpen that came on. And having McCutcheon back creates a new fire in the team. My record, 76-86. and 86. We're just about there. Two more wins. Now you're going to face off against Philadelphia, the Marlins. Philadelphia, who will make the playoffs. The Marlins fighting for a spot. But this is exactly what you want to do. Coming into the Cubs series, the Pirates were 1-10. and against Chicago after the first game against the Cubs in a three-game series last week. Pirates were lost, what, 14-0, 14-1? Came back, won game two, won game three. Took two out of three from the Cubs fighting for a spot. And then the Reds, who are now dead to right, Pirates were down 9-0, came back to win 13-12. The nine-run comeback, the largest deficit to overcome in a win in Pirates history. Tied for the largest blown lead in a loss in franchise history for the Reds. Doesn't it feel different? Just how the season is ending compared to last year. Compared to 21. Compared to 20. Where 20 was just the year of Cabrian Hayes. Everything else seemed bleak. Now Cabrian Hayes actually looks like that one month in September that he was in 2020. 15 homers, 61 RBIs. Still doesn't walk that much for my liking, but he's hitting 276. A 775 OPS for Cabrian Hayes is in 120 games is pretty good. Seven triples. Tops of the National League. Andrew McCutcheon had a pretty good year. Yeah, you like to have him hit more than 43 RBIs. 12 home runs. Currently sitting on 299. Brian Reynolds, 23 homers. 82 RBIs, Jack Sawinski, last year, end of the year, 206. He's hitting over 300 in his last 15 games. He's hitting 220 for the year, OPS rated 800, just below Brian Reynolds. But it's the Young Bucks. It's the guys you never would have expected. Joshua Palacios in 87 games has 40 RBIs. This guy's the most clutch player on your team. Like, what? He's somebody that has earned a spot. On next year's team, I mean, he just has. Now, yes, players like Andy Rodriguez, he's shown flashes. Three home runs, 11 RBIs, but he's only hitting 211. Not good. 600 OPS. Hasn't been great. Jared Triolo has come on a little bit. I'm not worried about Nick Gonzalez. I'm not worried about Henry Davis. Why am I not worried about Henry Davis? Davis, six homers, 21 RBIs. 23 walks, 62 strikeouts. He's got to strike out less. That's in 57 games. He's got to strike out less. Slashing 214, 300 on base, 350 slug. Through 57 games for Henry Davis. Comparative to other first-round picks, 
from the past ballpark seven years that have made their debut. Dansby Swanson, when he was at Arizona, traded to the Cubs. Or traded to Atlanta, rather. So for Dansby Swanson, it's the 2015 first overall pick. Through his first 57 games, he hit 243 with an OPS of 641, 13 extra base hits, four home runs, 20 RBIs, 24 runs scored. Other than the batting average, Henry Davis has been better in every category. Mickey Moniak, who has started to find himself a little bit with the Angels, but with Philadelphia, he was horrible. 152 average, three homers, nine RBIs, six extra base hits. Yeah, Henry Davis is a lot better. Adley Rutschman in Baltimore, fellow catcher. If you want to count Henry Davis as a catcher at this point, Rutschman, 255. He did have an OPS of 800, way better than Davis. Batting average, way better. More extra base hits, fewer home runs, fewer RBIs, a lot more runs scored. Could Henry Davis get to the level of Adley Rutschman? Possibly. Spencer Torkelson for Detroit, who's been a little bit up and down from 2020, and these numbers punched by uh, the great Jason Mackey of the Post-Gazette. 181 average, 11 extra base hits, 4 homers, 13 RBIs, 13 runs scored. Henry Davis is better. Now, Royce Lewis, who's battled injuries with the Twins, he did hit 314, 903 OPS, 22 extra base hits, 13 homers, 44 RBIs. Yeah, he was the best out of everybody. And that was from 2017. But if you look at Adley Rutschman now, he's one of the best players for the entire Baltimore Orioles organization. He's shown his worth from Oregon State as the number one overall pick. Rutschman hitting 273. OPS of 800, 20 homers, 19, 30 doubles, 75 RBIs. That, that's a realistic place we could be looking at for Davis. Pagaro's been solid. Seven homers, 26 RBIs. Yeah, he's tailed off a little bit. But it it really tells you for Andy, for Andy, for Henry Davis, for Nick Gonzalez, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. I mean, look at the success that Key Brian Hayes at this point has found. Brian Reynolds has found. My expectations are a lot different for this team now than they were in the middle of June, July. Think about it, 20 and 8. Everybody was so pumped up for Pirates baseball. And then the skid, the slide, they played under 400 baseball at a time during the summer where it was atrocious. It was just like the season wouldn't end. And now they're over 500 since August. They're playing great in September. Jackson Winsky's going through one of those streaks where he was a 133 hitter in August. Now he's hitting 280 in September. One of the streakiest ball players probably to ever play the game. But there are things that you got to like about this lineup. And O'Neill Cruz isn't a part of it right now. Cruz at short. Peguero, Gonzalez at second base. G1 Bay utility. Hayes, who looks like he might have found it at third. Hendy at catcher. There's a lot of I- ideal, opportune things that you're looking at. Where, look, they're 12 games better than they were last year. There's still six games left. Let's say they go 500. 15 games better. You're looking at 
what, 76, 77? Add another 10, 12? Do what you did next year that you did this year with the young guys here the whole year? That's a playoff team. That's a playoff team. Now, a lot of people aren't thinking about it right now because of football season. But the way that this team has ended this season compared to last year, when they floundered and continued to just fall, made their way to the number one pick to get into the lottery, lottery consideration, this year is ending differently. You're excited about how this team is going. You're actually crunching the numbers to see who the lineup's going to be. Now they need more than just two starting pitchers. Ideally, Vince Velasquez is back and healthy in the middle of June. One over Alonzo Contreras, Luis Ortiz, Quinn Priester figures it out. To pair with Mitch Keller and Johan Oviedo. Paul Skeens in May. I like what I see. I think this team could be a playoff team next year. And I said at the beginning of the year, this is 2012. This is not 2011. This is 2012. They can be that team next year. And I'm excited to see it play out. Coming up, we'll get into football. Man, the Bengals are bad. They, they don't look good. They look rusty. Joe Burrow does look hurt. The Steelers, they're in first place. Hard to believe? Eh, maybe. Tied for first. It's going to be a long ride in the AFC. Coming up next. Man, he made the necessary plays. I thought he was good uh, in the environment. I thought he was a good communicator. Um, He did the job tonight. Yeah, Kenny Pickett definitely did the job that he needed to do on Sunday night against the Raiders to get the job done. You know, I was really stunned by the fact that that was the first game in Kenny Pickett's pro career. He threw for two touchdown passes. It didn't didn't seem right. Now, you know, the offense hasn't been Kansas City out here, but still, it feels like he would have had two touchdown passes in a game before with the way that the Steelers beat the Baltimore Ravens late in the year. The final touchdown that we remember to George Pickens to beat the Raiders on Christmas Eve. You would imagine that, you know, maybe Kenny Pickett did at some point have that number. But no, the touchdown pass to Calvin Austin, the rollout play, which was one of the best plays of the night for the Steelers, for Kenny Pickett, and really for Matt Canada, to Pat Fryermuth. I mean, wasn't that everything we wanted to see? Getting Kenny Pickett on the move, letting him not run for his life because he had to, but run because that was the play design. And I'm not trying to give Matt Cannon all the types of credit here, pat him on the back. The offense still wasn't great. They showed a lot better signs. They've been better ever since San Francisco, last week against the Browns. I don't like the excuse that the offense wasn't good because the 49ers and the Browns are just good defenses. You got to go overcome that. 
okay, you're, you are playing a good defense. A good offense would beat the good defense. Good defenses win championships. Yes, I, I get it. But if you're a good offense, you got to at least show something. I'm not asking you to be the Miami Dolphins and score 70 on the Broncos. But still, the Steelers did what they were supposed to do against the Raiders. I would have liked to see the offense be a little bit better in late-game situations. They had the three and out. But yes, the rollout to Allen Robinson. Completion after the just awful, awful decision by Josh McDaniels. This is why he's not a head coach. He's a good coordinator. Horrendous head coach. In an eight-point game. Yeah, after we got a penalty. You're the Raiders, and you're Josh McDaniels. So thinking, all right, we're going out to kick the field goal. We just got a penalty on the Steelers to sustain this drive. Big play. You don't have to kick it. You get another shot at it. Steelers defense, who is fantastic, and has eight turnovers, eight turnovers through three weeks. That's the most since the 2010 Steelers. One turnover against the 49ers. A couple interceptions against Garoppolo. And a ton of turnovers, a ton of fumbles in the Browns game. Eight total turnovers through three games. But on the opposite side, the rollout to Allen Robinson, closing it out. If you're McDaniels, why why are you even considering kicking the field goal again? Like, okay. Sure, like, make it a five-point game, whatever. You were given new life. Football and sports is about being aggressive. Aggressive wins. Going for it wins. I'm not saying Brandon Staley on your own 24-yard line on fourth and one being aggressive to win. There's a difference between being aggressive and being smart and being aggressive and just being a flat-out idiot. But yeah, the Raiders, the Steelers were helped out by that, that the Raiders did not go for it on fourth down and decided, yeah, kick another field goal. They needed two possessions. And it partly made you think that, yeah, the Raiders think that Matt Canada kind of sucks too. But credit Matt Canada. A couple running plays that worked. They threw it on third down. They found Allen Robinson, who's been a relative unknown for this offense. What is he going to be? How, what will he become? For Kenny Pickett as a weapon. So yeah, the, the offense took strides. They showed that they have a little bit of an identity. They're going to run the football. Jalen Warren and Najee Harris pretty much split time. It was about 55% of the snaps in favor of Najee Harris. And Jalen Warren bringing up the rear at about 45%, which I was good with. Jalen Warren in the passing game is a good back. But when you put Najee Harris in there, the opposing team knows you're going to run it, most of the time at least, especially when Jalen Warren is your pass-protecting back at this point, too. All five, eight of them did a great job in pass protection, making sure that Kenny Pickett wasn't getting annihilated in the backfield because Chuk Sikorafor can't block anybody. It's about time that he's out. Dave Moore moves to right. Broderick Jones goes to the left. But that's no here, there, or there at this point. Because the offense did some good things. 
but the defense continues to be what carries this team. You know, I was really, really tough on Levi Wallace, on Patrick Peterson, because, frankly, throughout two weeks, they weren't cutting it. They weren't good. Levi Wallace was getting burnt. First half, Levi Wallace was getting burnt by Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams had like 10 catches in the first quarter and a half. Seven catches in the early go- in the early going, like like that, right off the bat. And Levi Wallace was getting toast. But then, Levi Wallace grounded Devontae Adams like the Steelers' plane was in Kansas City. And things kind of stalled for the Raiders' offense. And Patrick Peterson got an interception. And these were timely plays. These were very important plays for the Steelers' defense. The Wallace one at the end sealed it. The Patrick Peterson pick was a good one that helped set up the Steelers' offense. I mean, this defense is not going to be able to carry throughout the whole entire year, but look at T.J. Watt, man. Through three games, he's got six sacks. I I kind of expected this. I picked T.J. Watt to lead the NFL in sacks. Steelers to go 11-6. But man, I mean, he's just a man amongst boys out there. So that is obviously something very opportune for the Steelers. Very exciting to see. But we'll get into the offense a little bit more coming up because there's still a lot to talk about. Because Matt Canada is still here. He's got a promotion, kind of. And the Steelers got to face off against Houston, which seems like an easy win. But C.J. Stroud, who I'm not that high on, is playing okay to start the year for Houston. And they got a really good edge rusher, who I can almost guarantee Mike Tomlin will talk about in his press conference this week. I'm Austin Bechtold. It's the Fan Early Morning Show, which is presented by 84 Lumber. Put your positive attitude to work at 84 Lumber. Apply at 84lumber.com. Scored 16 unanswered. Pick it to the end zone. Ferner Booth touchdown. Great looking drive from the Steelers. I think you saw a lot of different things in that in that drive. You know, play action, strike the GP, pad over in the middle, pad off the off the bootleg, the, the naked. You know, some scramble drill stuff that we did. Hit Allen on the sideline. There was a lot of different things in that drive that were that were really positive. So I absolutely think that's a, a positive we could take away. Yeah, that was the best drive of the season for the Steelers that resulted in the Pat Fryer move touchdown. And I'm not going to pretend and act like I'm some big football wizard here or that I played for however many years or anything like that. But what I do know is that when you build off of your players' strengths and what they're good at and getting to the ball, getting the ball to the playmakers who you know mean the most to your offense good things can happen. We've seen that Kenny Pickett has had the ability to escape the pocket and make plays happen. He is a pocket passer, but when you roll him out, when you get him on the move, when you shrink the field down even a little bit for him, he's been pretty good. And when you get the football to Pat Fryermuth, 
good things can happen. I continued to harp on it all week. Firemuth had two catches for five yards coming into this game. He well, well exceeded that. Got into the end zone. Was a factor in this offense. Steelers are running some 12 personnel, but still not getting Darnell Washington involved. The offense does seem to be still a little bit too vanilla, predictable. You know, you didn't really see anything like a jet sweep. And how about Ryan Day on Saturday for Ohio State, running a jet sweep on fourth down, channeling his inner Matt Canada offense, which Ohio State did not get, but ultimately did win the game against Notre Dame on the final play of the game. That's a story for another time, but Matt Canada's offense showed, at least to a sense, that there is a little bit of an identity to it. And part of that is because they weren't going up against, probably, as good of a defensive line as the Browns or the 49ers. They ran the ball effectively, not for big gains, but there were a couple good plays that were factored in there. The pick play for George Pickens to be open in space, 20-yard gain. The screen pass to Jalen Warren, 20-yard gain. There were some things that I liked. Some things that worked out. And some things that you can build on. I don't trust Matt Canada. I think I have a little bit more confidence in Kenny Pickett than I had a week ago. My confidence was, you know, wavering a little bit. Pickett does have his limitations. But that deep ball to Calvin Austin, man, that was Kenny Pickett's best throw of the year. Right on the money, on target. And it presented with Calvin Austin everything that you would have wanted and everything that you would have expected that guy to be when he was drafted. Pre-show's next, 937 The Fam. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.